You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine, returned from his one day of not podcasting with me. James, welcome back to the show. Did you miss me? Absolutely, I missed you. You look better than ever, and I'm the only one that gets to see you. You sound great, so everybody else excited about that, but you look really good today. That's really kind. I really need a haircut, but I'll take it. I'll take it. So Joe Burrow back at OTAs on Tuesday. We're going to talk about Joe Burrow because that's what we do on the Locked On On Bengals podcast. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the rest of the things that happened at OTAs. Some other players talked. Zach Taylor talked. James was in those press conferences. And there's some tidbits out of those that are interesting. But Albert Breer wrote for Monday Morning Quarterback on Monday. Jeff Hobson wrote for Bengals.com on Tuesday. And everybody saw it for themselves. And CJ Uzama was asked about it. Joe Burrow reportedly and self-reportedly last week thinks his velocity is better. And now we've got teammates seemingly corroborating that. CJ Uzama saying that, you know, I had to ask Thaddeus, like, hey, did he always throw this hard? Am I just behind? Am I just out of it from, from my own rehab? And Thaddeus said, no, he's putting zip on the ball today. It's popping. And, and James, you were there in person. Last week we talked about this a little bit. And I was talking to Hayden Winks yesterday about this. And, and Hayden made a great point. I don't like to disagree with or, or bet against Joe Burrow if he says something I believe him so last week I said I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing now I've kind of reversed my course and I'm with a little <laughs> bit of evidence like yeah okay you're probably right I probably shouldn't doubt Joe Burrow that seems like a stupid life choice yeah I look I agree with you why would you doubt him because of the mentality and everything but do I think that there's a little more giddy up on his ball absolutely at the same time is it sustainable? And I think that's the part of it. When it's one thing to be focused on that and be focused on your mechanics and everything be in line. And I think that's what was so great about Tuesday is because he did get to throw on the run a little bit, sort of off platform a bit. And no, there was not a defensive end or defensive tackle bearing down on him, but you saw him on the move and that velocity was still there. And and I think that's going to be the key because when he's stepping into throws, Velocity was never really an issue, not that he threw it super hard or, or was one of the hardest throwers in the NFL, but it was some of the the deep balls and the, the off-platform stuff and things like that where you get concerned. And will it translate? Will it be there? CJ Uzama and Tyler Boyd seem to think so, right? And so we'll, uh, we'll see. But I, I do think that it, it is kind of clear that he's throwing the ball pretty hard, but we've only seen a couple of practices. The conversation with Callahan and pitcher that, you know, Albert Breer's having and, you know, Joe Burrow saying I've strengthened my hips and hip rotation is obviously a big part of power and and that rotational velocity that's generated when throwing, you know, baseballs, footballs, whatever. They're all talking about small changes and Brian Callahan, Dan pitcher talking about, you know, he's, he's more close to his target. His balance is a little bit more in the middle of his body, less on the back foot. Those are the things that they're talking about. I believe that Albert Breer's piece also mentioned some small grip changes that Burrow was toying with. So 
all of those things certainly could translate to velocity. And, and you mentioned that it wasn't so much an issue on most of his throws. And I agree with that. His accuracy was just fantastic. And it kind of negated the arm strength issue. But there were some balls, kind of the, the intermediate part of the field where you really need to drive the ball. Yes, he was very, very good in that area from a productivity standpoint, from an efficiency standpoint. But sometimes the ball would flutter on him a little bit. And it would mm-hmm. look like, you know, yeah, maybe if you could put a little bit more on that, that would be preferable. You know, you could open the window up a little bit. Maybe you don't have to throw the back shoulder. Maybe you can fit something in that you couldn't fit in before. So if this does translate to the season, then then I think that matters. But you make a great point. We saw Andy Dalton change his mechanics, too. He would go work with Tom House and do the, the quarterback mechanic stuff. And sometimes it wouldn't really show up in games. It's a, it's a very different beast when you have, you know, like you said, the defensive lineman flying around in your in your face. But all that aside, it was really good to see him throwing a little bit on the run and, and doing some of that pocket maneuvering footwork that he was doing in drills today. And we saw him throw 55, 60 yards, that video circulating from the bridge. And I don't know who took it. It's been circulating all over uh, social media, but he's trying to throw it into a cooler and he gets pretty close about 55 yards away. And and so he is working on the deep ball. Zach Taylor did confirm uh, that distance isn't really a problem. And and I think that's good as well. So it's not just velocity in the intermediate part or anything like that. He's working on the downfield stuff, which we knew was a priority, but we didn't really know how far he was throwing it. So that clearly something there, too. But the movement that to me, almost more so than the velocity is kind of my concern and and not that there's any reason to be concerned outside of the fact that he's a quarterback that makes plays and likes to extend the play and move around a bit. And he has a surgically repaired left knee. And I think the more you can get him on the run, and that's why it was refreshing to see Tuesday just so he is more comfortable because that that's just how he plays. And you want him to be extremely, extremely confident in doing those things. Cause naturally his instincts are going to take over and he's going to want to do that. And you want him physically to be ready to do so when the, the football starts in those defensive ends and defensive linemen are around him. And I'm probably reading way too much into this, but he looks confident moving like no hesitation at all. And, and yes, his training camp and they're keeping bodies from away from him. But everything we know about Joe Burrow, and this is probably where the bias is coming from. He's been confident since we've known him. Since he became part of the national football consciousness and, and wasn't just, oh, yeah, that Ohio State backup. He's looking for a job. He transferred to LSU. We'll see if he turns into anything. Oh, he looks like he's just a guy, maybe a mid-round pick. Oh, he's the first overall pick in the draft all of a sudden. Ever since he started that ascent, we've known that he is supremely confident. Why would this be any different, right? He's doing all the work. And, and it's an earned confidence. We've talked about this a ton. It doesn't seem like it's arrogance. And so there's no reason that, that he wouldn't be very confident with those movements. And that's probably why when I look at it, that's my takeaway. I see that level of confidence. And, and just to credit the guy, it was Alfonso Sly at Alfonso Sly, I believe, had some bridge video on on twitter today i asked ben baby at one point hey where's the video is there no video allowed today because i i hadn't seen any to that point and that was almost almost 12 30 eastern time and 
at that point, video wasn't allowed anymore, but Alfonso Sly up on the bridge had the video of Joe Burrow throwing those balls from about the 40-yard line trying to hit a cooler. Apparently, he took five or six shots trying to hit a cooler that was probably eight yards past the end zone. So that's probably about 55, 60 yards right in that range, give or take. So that is the big Joe Burrow update today. Other changes to, to protect him have continued. Still no handoffs, still nobody in the backfield with him. And, you know, still probably a little bit sheltered compared to some of the other quarterbacks out there. Isn't isn't necessarily doing everything. He did simulate a little play action, though, which is something okay. we didn't see last week. So he was at least going through the simulation. There was no one back there. Right. <laughs> They're like, hey, Joe Mixon, get, you're somewhere else. Chris Evans, you're somewhere else. But he was going through it, which is a good sign. Just going through the motions, baby. That's part of what OTAs is, is getting back in the swing of things. And obviously, for rookies, getting up on terminology, all that fun stuff, working out rotations, working on individual drills, learning that Frank Pollock doesn't want you to two-hand punch all things that happen in OTAs. And there's a whole lot of other stuff that happened in OTAs. We'll get James's observations and talk about some of those other quotes from players and coaches coming up next. We talk about it all the time. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. And I bet Joe Burrow, I don't know this for sure, but I bet he's on the built bar plan. He's got this increased arm velocity, this increased arm strength. Wouldn't be shocked if he's eating a coconut almond or maybe cherry raspberry, maybe mint brownie or peanut butter brownie built bar. There's something for everyone with built bar. And the best thing about them isn't the fact that they're covered in 100% chocolate or that they taste amazing. It's the macros high in protein, Low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you. You got to check these things out right now at BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your first order. It's that simple. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. If you've ever needed to change your own oil, replace a brake light, maybe even just put in new carpets in your car, maybe you have a muddy set of kids or a muddy dog that's dirtied up your car and you wanted to replace those parts you want to save yourself a trip to the chain store where if it's a part and it's not a carpet they have to look up your make and model you can do it all yourself at home at rockauto.com incredibly easy to use very intuitive website that has parts for every make and model of vehicle out there that you can think of so you can go on over to rockauto.com right now. Check out their amazing selection of parts for your car or truck. Check out those prices. You'll see that they don't charge more for you as a do-it-yourselfer than the mechanics get when they buy parts and then upcharge you for them. Go save some money right now at rockauto.com. And when you're checking out, make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Jake, one thing we talked about last week when we discussed OTA observations was Jamar Chase drops. And I think that sort of took on a life of its own, (laughs) at least to a degree. I've seen a little social media on that. He was fine today. I just wanted to report that fine on Tuesday. I didn't notice any drops or anything. So those that were concerned and he was working out with uh, Troy Walters uh, before practice during the special team stuff. And working on like the top of his route and, and in and out of his breaks, just little things like that. Um, and, and then Zach Taylor went on to praise Jamar. And and when I heard that, 
along with what Tyler Boyd said about Jamar Chase and his versatility, I just anybody that was concerned, and I get it, I'm the one who kind of mentioned it. Anyone that's concerned about Jamar Chase, it doesn't sound like the Bengals are in the least bit concerned about the fifth overall pick. Well, and that's what I said last week, right? Like the only people that might be concerned with it or might even take notice of it because it's it's not something that showed up at LSU. He has bigger than average hands and, and there's no reason to think that it would be a trend for him. Like players drop passes in the NFL. It happens. But these are, you know, clips from one and like the first, maybe Jamar Chase's second practice with the Bengals, right? He had one day of rookie camp. Mm -hmm. then comes back in OTAs. That's his first practice with veterans. Like, all right, let's cut the guy some slack, right? But potentially some motivational material, right? Maybe Troy Walters, like I said last week, took that and said, hey, Jamar, let's catch a few extra passes. Maybe that's part of why Joe Burrow said, hey, Jamar, let's catch a few extra passes, get, get on the same page, get you to stop dropping the football. And hey, look, it's fixed. So, I mean, it's good to hear. I, I don't think that, we can really take much away from any of these practices in terms of like, should we be concerned about Jamar Chase's drops or not? There's really no reason to be concerned about Jamar Chase dropping the football in the first place. So sure. It's something that if it comes up again, we can always go back to James, that observation from day one of OTAs, Jamar Chase's second pro practice when it's week seven and he drops some crosser, and it's his first drop of the year, and we're ready to talk about, hey, man, you remember you remember that first practice of OTAs? You couldn't catch anything. That's just coming up now, week seven, man. He, yeah, okay, he had seven catches for for 110 yards in a tutty, but like, how about that drop, though? Oh, the, the Sewell fan base. The, the Team Sewell is the ones <laughs> that are going to bring that up. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, good God. I, I still get messages here and there. We'll see. But uh, Zach Taylor clearly pleased with uh, Jamar Chase. And I mentioned the Boyd comments. I did think that these were at least semi-noteworthy. And I don't think anyone really debated the fit of Jamar Chase on the Bengals offense. I think it makes a ton of sense. Even without Joe Burrow uh, on the team, I think it would fit what they have at wide receiver. And Tyler Boyd said, quote, he adds a little bit more in his game because he can do a lot more, like come into the slot. And he's referring to Jamar Chase versus AJ Green and then he went on to say the in this offense we can play around we can have the the Z backside we can have the Y tight end backside everybody can be all over the place and that's why I kind of said there was a difference between him and AJ Green it's not a big difference but I feel like he's more of a versatile player he can do jet sweeps he can line up in the backfield he can do things like that to utilize his abilities to line up in different positions And he said, hey, I'm not trying to take a shot at AJ, essentially. But to me, Tyler sees Chase as a guy who can move all over the field. And I feel like the Bengals probably view him that way, right? They took him fifth overall. And and obviously, Boyd's semi-versatile in what he can do. And Higgins can move all over the field. He did so last year, at least to a degree. So there's not one guy that has to stay put. And I think they can be a little more creative in, in what they do with this wide receiver unit. And Zach talked about that too, because I think he was asked about it and he probably is aware of what Tyler said and is aware that those conversations are happening, might be leading those conversations, might be part of those conversations with Walters in the wide receiver room. Last year with AJ Green, the Bengals had pretty well-defined roles for each receiver. 
and they would have their backups that would be, again, well-defined in their role. And I've talked about this a few times on the podcast lately where under Zach Taylor, the Bengals tended to have the same guy at X, the same guy at, at Z, and the same guy at Y for, for a game. You wouldn't necessarily see a whole lot of, okay, on this snap, T's on the line of scrimmage. On this snap, AJ's on the line of scrimmage. They had, again, very well-defined roles for these guys and what they asked them to do. And if the limitation or the reason for that was AJ Green, which I don't think is quite that simple, and Jamar Chase gives them, in their minds, a flexibility to to deploy guys more, more versatilely, then that's only a good thing right? Having, having the flexibility to put guys wherever you need to put them. That's certainly not a bad thing. And there was also a comment about, you know, Jamar Chase could probably line up in the backfield if he needs to. He's a little bit thicker than, you know, a lot of receivers are in the NFL. And and that's true because he, he does look like a very strong and has, has very strong legs, very thick legs. And I don't think that he's going to be used out of the backfield, but could you, he, he could be, and, and it'll be interesting to see if they start to put any of that in a little bit because they don't have Geo right now. So so why not get creative? Absolutely. And I, I think it, it, it's funny. One of the themes of the news conferences were, oh, Jamar Chase is kind of built like a running back. And then it, it was discussed like he runs hard like running backs run hard, right? And try, they try to get – and he tries to break tackles. And so much so that Zach Taylor compared him to a tight end after the catch. He said – after the catch, he reminds me of Gerald Everett, the, the tight end that you talked about a lot that uh, was with the Rams when Taylor was there and I just signed with the Seahawks this offseason. And, and so, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we saw some reverses, certainly. But what about a pitch? What about, you know, different things like that, a wheel route out of the backfield? I I wouldn't put it past the Bengals to have something like that in there. And not that it's going to be all the time, but here and there, wouldn't be shocked at all, especially when you need a play on third and long uh, or, or third and uh, whatever situation at Heinz Field with the game on the line. Zach also talked about his versatility in terms of just where he lined up at LSU with how much they went empty. You know, we talked about, you know, they motioned Clyde Edwards to layer out and then Jamar's in the slot. And he did line up really in multiple spots for LSU, has the ability to do so for the Bengals. And, and with T. Higgins, you have a guy who can play the X as well. So they can move Jamar around. They could they could do some pretty cool stuff out of trips, out of bunches with all three of those guys, with uh, Tyler and Jamar inside if they want to put you know, T. Higgins at the point of that stack or they want to put T. Higgins on the line of scrimmage out of trips. You can certainly do that. I don't know that this is like groundbreaking stuff. But when you get into the minutia of things and you start to think about, you know, some of the pick plays the Bengals like to run and who are they going to put on the line of scrimmage, who are they going to put off the line of scrimmage in those situations, having the versatility to kind of be more switch in those situations. You put T and Jamar on the same side, run it with those two guys. You can have one on, one off. You can mix that up a little bit more readily. That is a bit of a strategic edge, although I, I will admit this is pretty small potatoes we're talking about here. James, some more training camp stuff we should get to. Let's wrap up with week two of OTAs coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. Will LeBron James get it done for the Lakers or will Chris Paul beat 
his good friend in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs. You got all different types of matchups you can bet on. And if you're not a Hoops fan, that's fine because baseball season is in full swing. Plus, you got NHL, UFC, and MMA, and NFL prop bets. Maybe you like Jamar Chase's odds of winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. Maybe you like Joe Burrow or Joe Mixon, Comeback Player of the Year. You can bet on all of that and so much more at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code locked on. All you got to do is go to betonline.ag, use promo code locked on, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. CJ Uzama has been practicing. Talk to the media today, and this is noteworthy because, of course, he suffered uh, an Achilles rupture early last year in week two. Caught Joe Burrow's first touchdown, will forever be. A great trivia answer that everyone that listens to this podcast will know because I I say it every time it comes up, or at least I have for the last few weeks. But Uzama said after practice that he's feeling 100%. And why is this important, James? Well, after CJ Uzama and Drew Sample, the team has a bunch of undrafted free agents and maybe a seventh-round pick or two in that tight end room. It is slim pickings beyond those first two guys. And they're going to be looking for somebody to step up and be a solid TE3 that can contribute on special teams. But having Sample and Uzama healthy seems to be pretty important considering they had big plans for Yuzo last year. Absolutely. And we talk about Joe Burrow's recovery and how miraculous it is. And I'm not taking anything away from what he's done so far. But CJ Uzama tours Achilles in September. I mean, that's nine months ago, less than nine months ago. And he was out there last week. He was certainly in felt 100% full go, full, put, full participant in OTAs. I mean, this dude came back in like eight months or something crazy. He's got the best personality ever. I mean, of all the Bengals. I mean, if anyone missed that news conference, I posted it. I tweeted it out. It, it was amazing. And it was good stuff on Burrow and, and the entire team, essentially. But – Uzama just has a presence and a mood about him that's great, and uh, I'm glad he's healthy, and and I certainly hope he's productive. And when you look around, he's a guy that should be open in the middle of the field a decent amount, and we know he can catch the ball, so wouldn't be shocked at all if he has a pretty big year. It's going to be hard for defenses to deal with everything the Bengals are throwing at them offensively if they want to prioritize the triumvirate of receivers they have and and allocate resources to dealing with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, you're going to have less resources to deal with Joe Mixon and, and CJ Uzama. And it's not one of those things where like, oh, you can't cover these guys because that's ridiculous. And I hate when people say that. That's Defenses have ways to deal with very good wide receivers. Those very good wide receivers will still win, but that doesn't mean that there aren't defenses to deal with what offenses are throwing at them. That's just not how football works. But I, I do find it interesting. You mentioned the, the quick recovery, and it occurred to me that I didn't really know how long it took a football player to return from an Achilles injury because the only ones that I really can remember are the two that Leon Hall dealt with, and he didn't really miss any time in the following season. He got back very quickly from those as well, and the Bengals have a lot of experience rehabbing these injuries and, and seeming to do so very successfully. I found a study from... Joshua Harris, 
This is something on Helio.com, an orthopedics sports medicine website. And, and we're talking about it on our football podcast. So way to go, Joshua Harris. They studied 95 players who had Achilles tendon repair. And 28% of those were career ending. And for those that were not career ending, it took an average of 339 days from surgery to recover, to return to sport. And he's saying he's at 100% right now. I mean, that's almost, that's 11 months, over 11 months, right? Mm -hmm. And we're saying CJ took nine. That's a very, very fast recovery compared to the mean, according to this study. You know what I think it is? And I'm I'm dead serious about this. I think CJ Uzama is such a positive guy. And I hell, I'm not nearly as positive as him and easygoing. I think that might have helped him. And I know that's stupid and not scientific or whatever. And you know, there's no factual anything, but I think having a good outlook when bad things happen is such a it can be such a, a benefit. And he did say that working with Joe Burrow certainly pushed him and he wanted to make sure he was ready for uh, when Burrow was ready to throw and stuff like that. So obviously that's paid off. Another guy that we're hoping to see a lot of this year is Trey Waynes. And he spoke on Tuesday and, and talked about how frustrating it was to to miss that entire year. And one thing, Jake, he said is, hey, he wants to play fast, physical, and, and tackle well. Those are the three things he said. He wasn't worried about being the number one corner. He said fast, physical, tackle well. And that's uh, certainly three qualities that Lou Anarumo did seem to be looking for in his defensive backfield. That was what we said when they signed him. That That's what we thought the gist was last year for free agency with the moves they made. Run defense moves. The the cornerbacks they signed to Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes going after DJ Reader, shoring up linebackers, signing Von Bell, all moves aimed at improving the run game. And that trend, of course, continues this year a little bit with the addition of Mike Hilton, drafting Tyler Shelvin, and adding a whole lot of depth to the defensive end rotation, the edge player rotation, because they won't just be defensive ends in Lou Anarumo's scheme. They will be a little bit multiple up front, but good to hear for Trey Waynes, right? I mean, you feel for the guy a little bit. He makes a stink about not being able to work out with his agent and wants to get his bonus and his physical done, and then unfortunately he gets hurt. And, and he'll have a chance now to, I don't know that many Bengals fans are down on him, but I'm, I know that it's not a very auspicious start to your relationship with the fan base when you make it about money and then you get hurt right away. I'm sure there's some fans out there that see that and they think, ah, Trey Wayne's man, why, why are you talking about this stuff before you even play a game? And I don't necessarily agree with that, right? Like he, he got the contract and it was a frustrating time. COVID was a frustrating time. And I'm sure he was all the more frustrated that he couldn't play last year. But getting him back on the field, seeing what he'll be able to provide and just getting something for that contract, frankly, at this point, are all steps in the right direction. And and if the Bengals can stay healthier at corner, they should be better. You know, it's, it's a big step from LaShawn Sims to Trey Wayne's. Even if you don't think the most of Trey Wayne's coverage ability, that's still a leap a big improvement. There's no doubt about it. I mean, honestly, their top five corners should be better and just more upgraded, right? I mean, Darius Phillips, you expect him to continue to be what he has been, which is inconsistent, but 
has good ball skills. Eli Apple's better than LaShawn Sims. They're big three or starting three or whatever you want to say. And Chidobe Awuzie, Mike Hilton, and, and then Trey Waynes, they're all much better than what they had. So, yeah, you're right. If they stay healthy, the defense should be better, and certainly the secondary should be better. And, and I, I hope for Waynes because you're right. He didn't come across as like this – easy to love guy like CJ Uzama, for example. And he still didn't even in his news conference, which is fine. Not everyone's going to do that. Hell, if I was, I would not be able to do that and have that personality on camera. That's fine. But for his sake, I, I think he, you know, hopefully he performs at a relatively high level because if not, that's just, that's painful. And I know he got paid, but uh, yeah, hopefully he can recover and not only be healthy, but uh, play at a decent level. Yeah. We don't want to be talking about the outs in his contract in a couple months, but I'm ready oh. to. I know him. I'm not going to talk about him right now, but I know him. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, Jake, put put on the pressure. On I the mean, pressure. I knew them. I knew them as soon as he signed the contract. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We have some schedule changes. You've probably noticed we're only doing three episodes this week. We had Hayden Winks. On Monday's show, we've got our OTA recap that you just listened to today. That was recorded on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, we'll be recording with Mina Kimes. Everybody saw my tweet after Mina was on NFL Live, after Joe Burrow threw uh, last week. And I asked her if, uh, if she'd like to come talk to me about the Bengals offensive line. And turns out she's, she's open to it, James. So we're going to talk to Mina Kimes on Thursday. And that means the mailbag gets pushed. So what we're going to do is after you've listened to the Mina Kimes episode on Friday, because it's going to go up late on Thursday, on Friday, we're going to put the thread up asking for mailbag questions. And so if you have any questions following our conversation with Mina Kimes, or you have any questions about anything else that's happened in OTAs this week, you can get those questions in on Friday. We'll answer those questions on Sunday. So you have a big window to get your questions in from Friday afternoon, say until Sunday morning when we record. So that's the schedule for the rest of the week. We're going to be on three days a week here for a little bit as the off season is, well, it's, it's time for us to take a little tiny break too. So hope you stick with us and, and make sure you're listening to those episodes. We'll make sure we let you know when those episodes are going up in the future. So until next time, when we talk to Mina Kimes, who day and have a good one.